Oh, hi there. Ollie Anderson here. You're listening to Creative Status. This is a podcast about using your creativity as a vehicle for growing more real, allowing the true version of who you are to come to the surface so you can express something true in the world. Uh, if you don't know, my name is Ollie Anderson. I'm a creative performance coach, which means I help people to bring more realness into their life and business. Uh, that's enough of a rambling introduction. Today's episode of Creative Status is an interview with Myrta Peters. She is a doula. If you don't know, a doula is somebody that helps people through life transitions. In the case of Myrta, we're talking about the transition of death, dropping dead, demising, things being done and dusted. Um, it's a very real conversation about one of my favorite topics, which is death. The reason that it's one of my favorite topics is because if you can appreciate the fact that we're all going to die one day, then it allows you to step back from any static ideas that might be uh, causing you to hesitate in life. It allows you to appreciate that your time, energy and attention are the most important things that you have. And it can serve as fuel for speeding up the process of making the unreal real so you can live a life that's actually true to you and in an expression of the things that you care about, your true values and intentions. So that's enough of an intro. Here's the actual interview. Murta, thank you so much for your time and everybody else. Hope you get some good shit out of this and that it helps you live a better life. Here we go. Oh, hi there, Murta. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today on Creative Status. You are super obsessed with one of my favorite topics of all time, which is death. And I'm hoping that we're about to have a kind of free-flowing, enjoyable conversation about what many people fear more than anything else. But before we do that, do you feel like introducing yourself, letting people know what you do? And also, could you share what you'd like to get from this conversation as a whole? Mm. Thank you so much for having me here, Oli. It is really awesome to have this opportunity to speak about this topic that both of us um, really enjoy delving into. Mm. Um, so yeah, my name is Mirte and I work in the end of life space as a doula. Mm. Um, a doula is someone who offers practical, emotional and spiritual support um, during significant transitions in life and mm -hmm. uh, my area of focus is the end of life wow. that is obviously a very broad uh, <laughs> spectrum um, and I'm sure that we will uh, get to know more um, about the different facets of that later on in our conversation mm -hmm. um, and besides that I also work as a psychedelic facilitator uh, I wow. mainly work with psilocybin and using psilocybin as a way to access uh, our grief and to also become familiar with death wow. um, is hugely powerful. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a real privilege to be working in this space. Yeah, like I can imagine that's, even though you know a lot of people think death is depressing and everything, it's also, I would assume, very intimate the way that you end up relating to people. Because obviously a lot of their, you know, the things they've been hiding their whole lives are probably going to come to the surface, either with the, mm -hmm. the mushroom stuff or with just the fact that death is, is imminent and coming towards them. What are some of the benefits that you personally get of being a doula? Like, what do you enjoy about it? Mm -hmm. I really enjoy being in a space where there is 
an opportunity to explore the deeper emotions mm. for me. Mm. Allowing emotions and embracing all of those as part of wow. who we are is yeah. where wow. all these golden nuggets lie in terms of how we live our lives, mm -hmm. um, what aligns, what doesn't, what is truth, what isn't. Um, and during wow. Wow. the, well, when we talk about death, it's all about that, right? Because when mm -hmm. we look at an end, it requires us to um examine what wow. is still unfinished mm -hmm. so um to be able wow. to do that with people is is really really profound and as mm -hmm. you said it's intimate it's very mm -hmm. intimate mm -hmm. um yeah lots of beautiful uh stuff can come from that and it's also really hard and that's probably also mm -hmm. what most people associate death with it that it's hard it's challenging it's painful mm. and it's all of that but there is also this really intimate and beautiful side to it that allows for deeper connections between people and for old wounds to be healed mm. wow i think what i find so amazing and fascinating about the whole death thing is kind of what you just alluded to so death always answers the question what is the truth what is real and mm -hmm. like in my work which you know I do a lot of coaching and stuff like that but it's all about realness which just means finding something that is real about ourselves and the world and reality and I have found that death and accepting death is one of the quickest doorways into understanding all that because mm -hmm. You know, there's so much bullshit in the world, right? Like people will argue about pretty much anything, but one thing that we all agree on, or let's say 99.9% .9 of people agree on, because there's always somebody that disagrees. We mm -hmm. all agree that death is coming. And in this form that we, we found ourselves in currently as individuals, it's going to end no matter what. And as soon as you accept that and you open up to it, it's like life just it gets turned on the volume goes up the intensity is a lot higher than it was purely because you've introduced the truth and so is there something there around that that actually what you're doing yeah you're helping people with these transitions and you're helping them to come to terms with the fact that they're going to die and blah -de blah all the emotions that brings up but ultimately are you just guiding people back to a relationship with the truth 100% and I love how you explained it and I love how you said wow. when we come to the acceptance of the inevitability of, mm -hmm. of yeah. you know, our our lives that yeah. is what turns up these buttons yes. and makes us live yes. more fully yes. it's, so, it's so very true because when we enter that space of okay something is final and it's very final right yeah Which yeah is, yeah, yeah which is incredibly hard for the mind to grasp because the mind wow. is not meant to be dealing with finality of events. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. this is the most final event that we will ever encounter. Mm, and mm. all of us will. So wow. there's going to have to be that point where we go, all right, let's sit down and look at this. Let's be with this. Let it, let's explore what we want this to look like. What do we mm. want this to 
feel like? Who do mm. we want to have present? Mm. Um, what kind of senses do we want to bring in? Um, wow. Grief is also a huge part of this. And I mean, we can talk about, uh, or this sounds really as if we're only talking about death in the sense of physical death, mm. our, mm. our physical mortality. However, mm. it, it extends way beyond that because so many other things of us die. Yeah. It's old identities, it's relationships, yeah. it's yeah. the yeah. ending of specific life cycles. It's, wow. um, you know, our skin dies, mm. our eyes die. Mm. So it's, it's all of that. Um, death is constantly around us. And yeah. Yeah. I believe the more familiar we get with wow death and dying and grief and loss before we have to yeah yeah the more profound it could be when yeah. it's really there yeah and i would know this obviously <laughs> until i get to that point myself but from the work i've been doing i can see how much fuller my life is becoming mm. um, because ultimately like we are on all on this journey and <clears throat> Our search for truth or transformation, or however you want to call it, it's it's just different names for I think the same thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, they, they they all go hand in hand, and mm. exploring it beyond the physical death is also a really big part of it. Yeah, I think what it boils down to is there's a false dichotomy which is, you know, life and death. They're, they're not separate things. It's mm. all it's all one process. It's all the creative flow. Reality mm. is constantly moving. It's constantly undulating and flowing and expanding and blah, blah, blah. And the only thing that stops human beings as individuals from flowing with that is what I consider to be the only true death. I'm saying that in scare quotes, and that is... The, e the ego, as, oh. as soon as you attach to a static self-image that uh, ultimately causes you to resist this flow of life and death that is constantly moving around us, as soon as you attach to that, that's when you start to have problems in life, yeah. ult ultimately, right? And so what you're talking about is guiding people back to that truth, ultimately, which is the truth, mm -hmm. the truth of flux, the the stasis is an illusion basically and as soon as you buy into it then you're gonna have a bad time and so even though i'm assuming a lot of your work as a doula is with people you know who are approaching the end of their lives quite quickly all of the lessons that you guide them through in order to reach a state of acceptance it applies to everybody else as well because no matter who you are and how uh, close death may be or may not be um, you know, it's the same basic laws of life, which is that that flow is always guiding you towards that state of unknown finality that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So, I, so I guess the question is, what lessons have you learned by working with people at the very end of their lives that, you know, are applicable at all stages of life? So you talk, mm -hmm. you talk yeah, so I won't put words in your mouth, but yeah, what's, what do you think about that? So um, what I think about that is that the most 
uh, or the biggest regrets for people at the end of their lives, they mm. are, the first one is that people have been scared too long to mm. live their truth, mm. to mm. live their authentic selves. Mm. So really mm. attaching to the ego and yeah. to status and to performance and to mm. societal structures that mm. may not really have resonated with them. Mm. Um, so that's one. The other one is um, mending relationships mm. too late. Mm. So being stubborn and wanting to be right about something, um, not having the courage to apologize, um, and losing time, basically. Yeah. Losing what... time, meaningful time for connection. Yeah. That's ultimately what it all boils down to. And I was kind of going to say that. So the reason that I have personally found death to be such a powerful force in my life is, first of all, I just think it's cool to go around talking about death. It makes me seem really mm -hmm. ed edgy and everything. <laughs> but, but, but the other thing is that it makes me value my time. So mm -hmm. I think I told you, we had a chat before the, the actual podcast recording and like there was a period in my life where I was been very morbid. Like I went through some personal stuff and I was just waking up every day and I was thinking about death. I'm like, oh, I'm going to die one day. And, you know, but that actually became a very empowering thing because instead of sitting around feeling miserable and like getting into a victim mindset and all that kind of stuff, the fact that I knew I was going to die one day did two things. One, it made me really, really present. Like I can't think about death and not just exist in the present moment because mm -hmm. I know that I'm flowing towards it in the way that we were talking about. It puts us into that flow. But the second thing, it made me value my own time and my own energy and the choices that I made with those things. And mm -hmm. for me now, you know, not a hundred percent of the time, because I'm just a flawed human being, believe it or not. But most of the time, I am aware of the choices that I'm making and what mm -hmm. I want to do with my life. So every day, you know, I, I always say to myself, I'm trying to make the choice towards wholeness rather than fragmentation. Yeah. But knowing that time is precious makes that so much easier because everything has an opportunity cost. So why do you think most of us do not live in that way. So time is precious for all of us, but there's something going on psychologically and maybe even spiritually or whatever that causes us not to value our own lives, basically, and our own time. Mm. I believe that part of that is fear, fear for the unknown, yeah. fear for the in. Why can I not pronounce this word now? For the finality of yeah. it. And um, it can come with a with some dread, right? All the preparations that we really mm -hmm. would benefit from uh, looking mm -hmm. into. Wow. Um, the avoidance of feelings around this. So many people are very uncomfortable with intense feelings yeah. so they believe that when they just don't deal with it right now yeah. it won't be there yeah. and then obviously when it comes knocking mm. it's going to be way more intense because oh, wow. they've not practiced they've not mm. practiced being in that space of um 
extreme vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's possible when holding holding space for the people around us who are going through a process or mm. the process? Mm. Do you think it's possible to overcome the fear of death? Like when we say we're scared of death, okay, we say we're scared of the unknown and we're scared of the inevitable and mm. all, all these things. But what are we really scared of? Like, do you think it's deeper than that? Like I like people are always talking about how we're all afraid of uncertainty and we hate getting out of our comfort zones. Mm-hmm. But what are we really afraid of? Like when that's happening? Like if you dig into life. it, say again. Sorry, it's life. I think we are scared of life because yeah. when we look at death, we have to look at our lives. Yes, yeah, and it's holding a mirror up to us. Mm-hmm. It's showing us who we really are and what human beings really are, and it's showing us what's real. And so I think. If people have that fear, they only have it because they haven't accepted the realness of themselves. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. And I want to add to that, that um, with acknowledging or sitting with that fear, with looking at what is actually scaring them from their lies or yeah. you know in their space in the here and the now yeah they don't do that because it would mean that they have to make changes mm-hmm. and that takes work that takes energy that takes time that takes effort mm-hmm. i think there's an element as well where i i personally think you can't lose anything real so you know i've said a million and three times now on this podcast and i've probably said it to you before but like Human beings just have a natural drive towards wholeness. Like mm-hmm. we're constantly moving and expanding towards wholeness. That's the natural state. But the yeah. ego and the identities that we carry are made of fragments. They're made of concepts. They're made of ideas. They're made of fears about things. Like you've said, all these negative fragmentary things that we pick up, they cause us to go into hiding. And so when we go into hiding and we become fragmented, We create the ego, which keeps the shadow of self um, at bay. And the truth becomes a threat, even though the truth is the thing that we actually all need because the truth is wholeness and that's what we ultimately Mm -hmm. want to move towards. And so when we're in that state, we pick up all of these illusions and we need these illusions to be the truth so that we don't have to face, you know, all of the things that we we need to hide hide from ourselves to keep the ego in place. I don't know if I'm making that too convoluted. But when we're in that state, that's when we pick up all these ideas that we are not human beings, that we're something else. And by that, all I mean is, you know, human beings in reality are these creatures that keep flowing, keep expanding, keep evolving, ultimately towards death, where they just return to wholeness completely and the system of nature that built them and all that kind of thing. Um, they, they forget that they're human in that way. They forget that they don't think life is what life is because they only want to look at life and not the dichotomy of life and death, which is really the same thing. So blah, blah, blah. They pick up all these illusions and the fear of death is actually just the fear of seeing that those illusions were never real. Mm-hmm. If, if Something like that. And so what's going on is when people have this fear is, you know, the, there's a saying I'm always throwing out as well, like what goes up must come down. Yeah. And if you've been up in the air, like on cloud nine, cloud, cloud nine, 
hiding out in your illusions for a long time, then the fall back down to earth is a lot harder, basically. So is, is this something there? Like, I'm talking at you a lot, I apologize, but is there something going on there that's actually valid? Yeah. Um, what I'm also, what I would like to explore further, actually, is that with this, do we operate or do these beliefs and these behaviors, mm. do they, where are they actually coming from? Mm. Um, sometimes I really wow. um, think about the society that we live in, mm. how mm. we yeah. lack a, wow. uh, a specific purpose or a, a meaning in our day to day. Like we get up, we, <laughs> may have breakfast at the, uh, you know, on the fly, we go to work, we sit behind the screen. Mm. I'm generalizing now. Mm. We go home, we might go to the gym. Uh, we come home, make dinner, watch TV, <laughs> go to bed. And we do that for a really long time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What is the meaning in that? And um, wow. how does our society feed us to stay disconnected from yeah. a bigger purpose? Because why do we go to work? We go to work to make a paycheck because the paycheck wow. provides us with a roof over our head. It provides us with food on our plates. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of like this um, wow. way of living that we can't really escape. Yeah. But maybe so many more people would like to, but they just are so stuck in this rut because mm. there is no other option mm. for them to see or to act upon. Um, oh. So this ego gets, mm. um, that status is maintained that way. Mm. Mm. So it's more of a systemic yeah. fear that's instilled upon us more so than a human being one. Mm. Wow. So there's loads going on there, but like, I totally agree. But it's kind of like there's an interplay between the psychology of the people in the system and the systems that we build. Mm -hmm. And this, the, obviously, there's like socioeconomic and political things going on that cause people in the system to have less power over their lives than they would if we had a, you know, a more real society and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, but ultimately, the short version, I would say, is society is structured around survival. It's only about surviving. And mm -hmm. when people are in that survival mentality, two things happen. One, it's fear-based and scarcity-based. Yeah. And two, it's fragmented. It's basically a collective version of the individual ego. So the ego is of individuals, I think, is created as a denial of what life actually is. So what we're saying about, you know, everything, it been in flux and death been a, an inevitable thing that happens and all that kind of stuff. Society is built around the same fears, actually. And so when we deny the truth about life, which is that we are all going to die and that actually there's nothing to be afraid of. Like, I really believe that because you can't lose anything real. Like mm. if, when, when I die, like there will be no more Ollie Anderson, but Ollie Anderson is just an idea anyway. It's just my identity. It never yeah. exists. It never existed in the first place, but yeah. all of the things that are whole about me are just going to return to the whole. And so mm -hmm. 
when you understand that, you realize, okay, I'm going to be here now. I'm going to basically live my best life if I can by choosing a purpose that is aligned with what needs to be expressed from within me. And when I express that, then I don't have to worry about life being meaningful because purpose precedes meaning and it will become naturally meaningful. But because society is built around everybody needing to survive because they're all scared of dying, basically, this, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's a rational thing, I suppose, if you're living in the short term. But anyway, because society is built around that, it's become a vacuum for purpose and meaning because really the only way that you will find as an individual, the only way you'll find your true purpose in life is to ac- to start by accepting life for what it is. So if you mm-hmm. don't accept that it's going to end one day, then you're not going to make the choices with your time, energy, and attention like we were talking about. Then you're not going to move towards wholeness. And then, yeah, you're going to live like in the rat race, ultimately, just being told what to do because your yeah. life is dictated by external forces, which are not reality, God or truth or wholeness or any of that stuff. Your life is being dictated by the system, basically, which is not real. Mm-hmm. And if the system is built in a survivalist way, rather than something that allows you to thrive and be real, then you're going to have a bad time. And that's why if you want to you know, escape the matrix, whatever you want to say, you have to wake up to the fact that you're going to die. And that is the, the starting point of liberation, basically, I think. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, it's You put that beautifully. I would love to hear from you what has been your biggest tool to um, really live by this other than, you know, accepting death. Yeah, for me, But it's... Yeah. In, a practical, in practical terms, how do you do this on a, let's I say, th- frequent basis? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, for me personally, like I, I had a, you know, like a what like a Kickstarter program I went through. Let's call it that. So I mm-hmm. had I had some like serious health issues. So I like I nearly died a few times, and like well I was in a coma and all this kind of stuff. I had a, I had a kidney transplant that went wrong. That's the short version. And going through that, it just showed me that you know first of all life is precious. Secondly, because I thought I was going to die in the aftermath of that anyway. I went through this process of, you know, just thinking about all this stuff. And then eventually it went from thinking to actually integrating it. And then slowly over time, it just affected the choices that I made. Obviously, there's all these basic things you can do. Like people always say, you know, you should meditate and you should journal and you should go walk in nature and, uh, I don't know, get some crystals or something and just feel one with everything. And you can do all that stuff. But for me it came down ultimately to realizing my time is really precious. Like my time Mm -hmm. is so precious. I am not going to give it to any bullshit just because that's what I've been told to do. And there was a process actually that I had to go through of reconfiguring my life. Like I had, you know, arguments with people and all kinds of things who wanted me to live in the way that you're supposed to live. And like, Mm -hmm. actually, What I have learned is that, like, it's what I just said, actually, the system we have created does not want you to live your life. The system wants you to basically pay your taxes and then die. That's that's ultimately what you're educated to do if you go through the standard education system and all that stuff. And that is what a lot of people uh, think that they have to do, and they're afraid to go against that programming. And so for me, the practical thing I did 
was just be stubborn, to be honest. Like initially, I was very stubborn, not in a, like I didn't ruin any relationships or anything, but I was stubborn in the sense of knowing what I wanted, like figuring out my values and then turning them into behaviors and goals and then sticking to it. And it's, it's not, it hasn't been easy, like I'll be honest, like especially in the initial transition, but that is ultimately it. Like it's a test I've found. It's a test of your faith in life because like eventually if you, if you live in, in this way that we're talking about, your faith is not put in the world. Your faith has to be in something higher. You can call it, you know, God or source or whatever, all these different words people use, but you have to find a way to trust that flow. Mm-hmm. And that process of learning to trust the flow will be slightly different for all of us based on the bullshit that we're carrying in our minds and that we have to let go of, but it's always the same path. So I'm always, you know, I'm a broken record and sorry, I'm talking loads in this podcast, but it's about going from fragmentation to wholeness. So it's just asking yourself, what does wholeness look like in my life? And you will never find that in the system. You have to find a way to get back on your own path, basically. So it's figuring out what's distracting you. And that's ultimately why the death thing is so important, right? Because death is not a distraction. It shows you where you are distracting yourself. Yeah. 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 And it also, um, this makes me think a lot about psychedelic journeys and how Mm. they are such a beautiful gateway into a deeper understanding of our psyche Mm. Um, and explore in such a safe way. Um, what our true values are and what is stopping us mm-hmm. to live by those values and to, um, you know, even practice death yeah. during journeys. Like it's possible for us to wow. become very familiar with endings and it can be endings of any kind. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are some of the main things that you've learned from the, you know, the work you do with psychedelics? So, yeah. yeah. Um, I have learned that all of us are, in a sense, actually, we're all, in a way, really lonely. Wow. We all experience a particular wow. type of loneliness wow. that um, wow. is so individual, yet... There is this collective. Wow. When we come together, we all have it. And it's like, why can we, <laughs> where is this disconnect coming from? Mm. It's something that baffles me. Wow. More and more because the loneliness, like, it's a fucking killer. Like, wow. sorry. No, yeah, no, it's, it's okay. It, I swear it all the really fucking time. It really is. Yeah. Also, when we look at elderly people and, and how they get through that final stage of their lives and how loneliness, becomes really magnified for many of them wow because of of the way that they um uh, you know live in 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 our white society and nursing homes and um less family time and and all of that um but really it's also very present in our age group um wow. i reckon it's also really present in younger kids Wow. So wh- where is that that disconnect? Um, how is it possible that we find it so hard to wow. 
to join in that and to recognize, mm. hey, we are we are really all experiencing mm. a a feeling that maybe consists of of um, a variation in 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 frequency. Mm. Mm. Um, how can we how can we join to bring that frequency into a more um, yeah, into a similar range. Wow. Well, I really wasn't expecting you to say what you just said about loneliness, mm -hmm. but it's kind of blown my mind a little bit. So are you saying, like, this is a societal thing? Like, it's mainly in the West. There's, like, everyone's lonely and disconnected. Or are you saying that's the human condition? Like, wherever you are, you know, we're all ultimately alone. Like, you want to mm -hmm. know? Is that what you're saying? Um... I am saying that the people who I've worked with mm -hmm. uh, and am working with, they are all experiencing that and myself included. Like I have moments where wow. I, where I find it really hard to connect to people around me because mm -hmm. I feel misunderstood because I feel wow. Um, wow. like I don't necessarily fit in. Like it's that belonging yeah. that story belonging where is our place in society mm. um mm. i'd be really interested to wow. uh, explore what this is like for people from different cultures um i have a few ideas because when we say when we for example look at wow. the more traditional communities mm. there is way more space for mm. a um for the collective Mm. Uh, for solving issues yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and challenges as a, a community. Yeah. There is space for ritual. Mm. There is lots more nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, why, yeah. 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 That's what I was thinking. So ultimately, human beings are mammals. And if we're living in accordance with that nature, then obviously we're going to live in the way you just talked about, we're going to have lots of, basically we're going to have bottom-up societies where, you know, people work together, the communities have got stronger bonds than they do in the atomized, alienated Western industrial society we live in and all these kind of things. And either, there's two possible things that could be going on here, right? So either the human condition is that even in that best case scenario where we're living like mammals, mm -hmm. Even in that case, we're still kind of alone in the world. Like we might have moments where we feel connected to, you know, the other people in our tribe and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's that thing we all die alone. So yeah. that, that could be an option. Or maybe like in those tribal societies, like they're all one with nature and they don't even really appreciate that there's a big difference between me and you and blah, de, blah, de, blah. And this loneliness that you've, uncovered with the work that you do is because in industrial societies basically or in societies that have been informed by the structure of the industrial revolution and blah, blah blah well in those societies people basically go into hiding don't they they lose touch there's all the stuff we were saying about the rat race they yeah. don't they don't value their own time because they're supposed to go work in the factories or whatever it is they get on we that you know ex existential dread and boredom and all those things and it's because they don't know who they are. They're out of touch with themselves. Or it could be a, a bit of both. So like we are all ultimately alone, 
but we can forget about that if, if we live in the right way. But maybe that's a distraction. So maybe the question here is, there's, there's a thing in there, like most religions will say, I think, I might be spreading misinformation, but I've definitely heard this before that like, you know, we all die alone, basically. So like at the end of your life, you might have people around you on your deathbed, but it's still just you and death or you and life, yeah. death, whatever you want to call it. So yeah. what, you know, what do you think is the truth there based on what you've seen? Well, actually, I wanted to add something to... Um... I just wanted to circle back to uh, the loneliness belonging topic mm. uh, because what also very often comes out of a psychedelic journey wow. when done with purpose and intention, obviously, mm. is it's, a re it's an opportunity to reconnect to that oneness. Yes. So yeah. depending, obviously, on what type of medicine you use, it can vary a little bit, but really it's this tool to break down the barrier, the fragmentation, the ego, whatever you want to call it, yeah, to yeah. come closer to our authentic self, mm. our inner child, mm. um, or, you know, the elder within us, however we want to call it. Mm. Um, and there's also then this magical moment where, people can realize that really we are all one yeah. and we are yeah. we are also one with whatever is going on beyond us yeah yeah that's and yeah. what is going on beyond our five senses yeah yeah i i personally think that is the ultimate truth like wholeness is reality and Part of the reason that people feel so lonely is because, you know, what we're saying, they they live out a pantomime, basically. They're, they're playing the character of the ego, mm -hmm. which is just yeah. all of their, you know, social conditioning and emotional conditioning to some extent, or self-hypnosis in an attempt to keep their own emotional stuff at bay. And, you know, I'm assuming, like, when people are doing these psychedelic ceremonies and the, the ego slips away they see in those moments how they are the cause of their own loneliness, how yes. they are, how they're holding themselves back from just connecting with other people. And it might be, you know, the way that they think about themselves, the way they, you know, have prejudice about other people. Maybe they just have an emotional block. Like mm -hmm. I, I've met people who, but I, I won't name names. There's people in my family, like traditionally, most of the time, they're very kind of uptight and stoic and everything. But if you get a few drinks in them, they'll be opening up and telling everybody how much they love everyone and stuff like that. But it's like, a, you know, it, it, you can tell it's weird for them to do that. And I think a lot mm. of the time that it probably just goes back to childhood programming or something like that. Yeah. But the main barrier to loneliness is us. There is no loneliness, isn't there? Not really in, in reality. Mm -hmm. it, like in two levels, like... At the level of other human beings, there's 8 billion of us on the planet. So really, if, if you had, take an active approach to it, you can probably find somebody to talk to, right, if you're lonely. It might take some work, obviously. Like They're not just going to knock on the door. You might have to be active. But okay. But even, I think, if other human beings aren't involved, if you can connect to that wholeness, if you can connect to this flow that we're talking about, you, it's impossible. You can't be lonely. Do you know what I mean? Like if you feel, mm -hmm. if you feel that, yeah. 
Well, that is you. Like you connect into the real you, but you connect into everything else. And that makes me sound like a massive hippie. I don't care. But like, you can't be lonely if you've been real because it's yeah. not, it's not about loneliness anymore. It's about solitude. Do you know what I mean? There's a difference. There's a difference. And the difference is, it lies also in how we view it, yeah. that we are looking yeah. very yeah, open yeah. to yeah. the external world wow. to fill these voids and to, yeah. Um, yeah. as if we are expecting oh. from our environment to yeah. give yeah. us yeah. permission yeah. or to hype us up to live our true selves. <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah. not like that. Like yeah. we, we are the only ones who can do that for ourselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like we, actually, didn't, we, we put this ex- expectation on the people around us, whereas yeah, we yeah. have no right to do that. Yeah, 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 100%. Like, I actually think loneliness just means that you are al- you, you're alone somewhere, but it's just you and your ego because mm-hmm. you've bought into that illusion of stasis we were talking about. Yeah. So you're yeah. alone, and then your ego is saying all these things. Oh, I should I should be with other people. Oh, this thing that I did 10 years ago is, you know, I'm, I'm such an asshole, whatever it is. Your ego is just judging you. That's what loneliness is. It's you sitting there with your ego. Solitude, externally, it looks like the same thing. Like to a passive observer, like you're still there by yourself, but solitude, you're alone, but you're with reality. You're in the present moment. You're yeah, flowing still. Moment, you're yeah, alive. Yeah, and you're moving. You're still moving yeah. with reality. You're not holding yourself back with the ego and stuff. So personally... I don't think loneliness is real. I think, you know, it's it's a weird thing to say, maybe I've never said that in my life, but I don't think loneliness is real. I think you can feel lonely, but if you are feeling lonely, that is a sign that you need to think about death, basically, because if you can think about death, you're going to realize, okay, I need to go in this direction, not that direction. Yeah, true. I have another question for you. Because I'm curious um, how you feel about this. Um, when we talk about all of this stuff and, you know, how as in our society there's not really an opportunity to live by, um, by our truth, to explore emotions, to show up mm. with all our vulnerability mm. um, because we are a performance-based driven <laughs> society. So what do you think would happen if we would already introduce um, very specific work around emotions and vulnerability uh, and having deep, meaningful conversations at a very young age. So I'm yeah. thinking school, mm. uh, like primary school kids, yeah. they their life could look so different if we allow them to really express themselves yeah and what do we do we guide them into tasks where they have to draw within mm-hmm. the lines yeah uh, or make like creativity in school what does that mm-hmm. mean it means mm-hmm. that we copy things mm-hmm. it means that we um we have limited very limited resources mm-hmm. most resources they are inside mm-hmm. how is that creativity i believe that creativity and the um the or rather the expression of our emotions leads to more creativity yeah and what does creativity bring as well means that we get to explore what we want our lives to look like Mm -hmm. so we can create ourselves 
Exactly. I'm really, I'm really glad that you asked this question because I totally forgot that this podcast was about creativity. So, <laughs> like, ultimately, the way that I see the creative process, it's about making the unconscious conscious. That's it. Like, it can literally be anything, but ultimately, it's about putting yourself in this process we've been talking about of being present enough to allow what needs to emerge in life to emerge and to go with it without holding yourself back. And so whether it's a creative conversation, like a dialogue, like we're doing now, whether you're painting a picture, whether you're sitting down as a doula and you're guiding somebody back into life so they can accept themselves, all of those things are creative, right? And all that's going on is we're making realities or truths that weren't conscious because they were either out of sight or they were buried beneath the ego stuff we're allowing that to come up to the surface and the healthiest thing i believe any of us can do no matter you know how old we are or whatever the healthiest thing we can do is learn to navigate that process of fragmentation to wholeness of unconscious to conscious in a way mm-hmm. that serves us and our vision for whatever we think is going to bring meaning to our lives and that ultimately is, you know, is something that we should help children to learn. We should, everybody should have those skills basically, right? But the problem yeah. is, it's like we were saying, like, that there's always, there's always talk about reforming the education system and things like that. Everybody agrees that we should reform the education system. Nobody really had a nice time in school. Not, you know, we might have had, a, nobody really thinks that the current education system is the best version, right? You learn all these facts and figures um you remember them by rote you do some tests and then you leave and then you you never use like 80 percent of that information ever again in your life so it's just training you to basically remember things and because we live in the society like you said that is very performance driven that is very much about ultimately getting results as an employee of a company the education system i think doesn't want kids to be doing this work that we're talking about if all the kids in the world were basically been taught about death and the things we're talking about, what would they leave the education system doing? They'd leave the education system valuing their own time. Our society is not built around valuing the time of individuals. It's actually not. It's built around Mm -hmm. property, valuing property. It's built around valuing profit, all of those things. Personally, I, I really, I'm not like a communist or anything. I love capitalism if it's like in its pure form where people come up with a good idea and then if it works and it offers enough value to other people, then okay, they make some money from it. But now we've got this system where it's corrupt. People are, you know, paying off their mates and everything, blah, blah, blah. And we don't value the people in the system. It all comes down to, to what we were saying earlier, right? The system is designed to kill your creativity. The system is designed to devalue your time and your life unless you step up and wake up and like take your life back into your own hands. And any of us can do that. But personally, I, do, I don't think the education system is the place to do it. I think maybe, I, you know, if you have kids yourself, then yeah, you can teach them this, this stuff. I think all kids should learn it. But I don't, and it would be amazing if the education system did do this. But the way society is structured right now, the system 
is beyond just the education system, right? So what it, say we introduced all these things we're talking about to the education system. Mm-hmm. Society at large is not yet ready for people like that. So it would be amazing, but it would be revolutionary as well. I don't, I don't know if I'm even making sense now. I've, I've, ran, I've had way too much coffee or something because I've ranted <laughs> lots in this podcast, like way more than usual. But um, well, to me, it does make sense. Um, and another thought that I'm having in addition to that is it has to start somewhere. And Yeah, that's what, yeah. I mean, it would be amazing if, if we have um, revolutionaries across... <laughs> the range of all ages right yeah and there are yeah. people standing up and going for oh. it do you know what um, it, yeah sorry you know what it is as well though? i've thought this before so ultimately what we're talking about is in individual relationships between that being and life itself like at the end of the day it's between you and the universe, God, whatever word you want to use, right? Yeah. And as soon as you start introducing things to the education system or you start creating a movement around things so you can have a revolution and all this stuff, as soon as you do that, it actually risks turning into dogma, basically, right? Because as soon as you say, right, we're going to put education into the... Uh, we're going to put creativity into the education system. This is what, what it's going to look like. It will become dogmatic. And so, yeah, actually, do you know what I mean? And so, actually, uh, say that again. Sorry, the, it went a bit funny. Then. There will be conditions to it. Yeah, yeah. And actually, there are no conditions, I think, right? Because it's about the unconditional relationship between you mm-hmm. and life. And so, what I think, and what I've tried to do, like, actually, with my some of my work. So, my book, Personal Revolutions, kind of talks about this. But anyway, at the end of the day, it's about giving individuals the tools to wake themselves up and mm-hmm. to, to take control themselves. And I suppose the education system can do way less damage, like no question. But as soon as you teach the people the same thing en masse, you ultimately end up brainwashing people because you, you, yeah. create, a, you create a culture. So it's yeah. about stepping, it's about having a culture that is beyond culture almost, but you still need some traditions that are aligned with what we're saying about nature itself, natural laws, awareness of, you know, what mammals need and all this kind of stuff. But ultimately to kind of wrap up my little rant, it's about, it's not about movements. It's not about revolutions. It's about waking up one on one. And then you don't need to worry about other people. Because like if I wake, a thing that happens a lot in it, like people wake up and then they try and wake everybody else up in the same way. But the way that I wake mm-hmm. up, the way that I might have woken up to death and all this stuff we're talking about, realness, is a totally different path to you. So if I say, right, well, you need to meditate and then you need to just, whatever I've said in the conversation, you, you need to, I can't remember what I said, but you know, I went through this process of like yeah. basically being a bit stubborn and all this stuff. That worked for me. Your way might be totally different. Like you might... I don't know, go skip through the forest and like have a big ceremony with people where you're taking shrooms and you're all hugging and everything. Maybe that's all you need. But like the point is, is giving people the tools to figure out that for themselves. Mm-hmm. And yeah, 
And I think, you know, we can have conversations with people and we can guide each other in that way. But it's just helping people to see themselves, whatever that looks like. I don't know if I'm even making sense. I'm going to stop uh, rambling. Yeah, like um, I think what I also hear in that is uh, we have this individual um, accountability, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we can inspire each other by doing that. So, yes, yes, exactly that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's a short version of, of, of what I get from um, from that. Yeah. So if you wake up and you do your own thing and you don't judge other people, you're letting other people do the same thing. And there's, there's conditions we can create, I guess, that, that allow that to happen. Um, but anyway, thank yeah. you for, thank you for interviewing me on your podcast. We've had a long conversation. How, how, how would you sum all this up? Like, obviously we started talking about death. We've gone down this rabbit hole and now basically we've shown, I think, or started to kind of question whether you know, society is life enhancing or not. And it seems like it might not be. But how would you sum all this up? Have you got any final words of wisdom? And where can people find you on the internet if they want to get in touch with you? Mm. Um, um, final words of wisdom. <laughs> wow. B- bit of pressure there. Final. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, I really invite people to start exploring this topic mm. when they are not in a crisis yet. Mm, wow. So that it's safe, that it can be um, gentle, mm. that you can get familiar with it when you don't have a time pressure. Mm. Brings us back to the value of time so that yeah, you can yeah. then choose what you do with your time, mm. who your time goes to, what your time goes to. Mm. Have you... Um, Sorry. Yeah, go on. I was just going to say, have you got any, like, are there any exercises or something like that that, you know, if someone's made it this far into the podcast, yeah, is there anything that they could do, like literally yeah. do to start acting on this? Yeah, stuff? totally, totally. And I would love to connect with people for this. I host monthly uh, gatherings um, to talk about the topics in a very taboo-less <laughs> way. Wow. Um, and they're small and intimate uh settings i do them in person and i do them online wow Um, so i have that group and there's also um a practice of death meditation which uh can sound maybe a little bit (laughs) weird but it is incredible it's an incredible tool to become familiar with the process of the uh, dying of the physical body wow and that gives people a lot of uh comfort and understanding and that has been shown to also really give people this renewed sense for life Mm. so how do you do that you just meditate but you you know you think about how you're going to die and everything yeah so it's a visualization process wow wow okay so that's two Mm -hmm. two quite powerful things so if people want to go to one of your uh you know dialogue group workshop things how do they do it yeah um that's a really good question um (laughs) i um usually announce my groups through my newsletter and on Instagram. Right. And my Instagram handle is at uh, mirthe.peters, M-Y-R-T-H-E dot P-E-T-E-R-S. Right. Um, and I run a meetup group as well, but I will make sure that you get the, um, the links to 
do all of that mm. uh, so that people can can connect if they if they feel like and obviously one-to-one is also possible if it seems like a little bit overwhelming to show up in a group setting wow well i'll, I'll share all those links and everything in the show notes but Meta, this is this has been a really awesome conversation. Like, obviously, yeah, we got, we got a bit carried away, maybe. But uh, yeah, that's given me a lot to think about before I drop dead in uh, a few years, whatever it's going to be. So, thank you for that. And uh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a real, real pleasure. Thank you so much.